You know, Brittany, nothing gives me naked confidence like hitting the gym first thing in the morning. The rush, the endorphins, it just sets the tone for the entire day. Ooh, I like that. Naked confidence. Yeah. It's all about the perfect playlist for me. The right music can uplift my mood instantly. Mm, you know what a close second is for me? What's that? Not stinking. <laughs> That's why I use Lumi Whole Body Deodorant. It's like a secret weapon against odor powered by mandelic acid. Yeah, you're odor-free for up to 72 hours. I love how Lumi tackles every odor concern with natural ingredients, and I appreciate its versatility. I've tried it everywhere, from pits to feet. It never disappoints. Plus, it's baking soda-free and pH-balanced for safe use. And the fact that it's clinically proven to block odor all day, well, that's a game changer. Definitely. And with Lumi Starter Pack, new customers can get $5 off with code TLC at lumideodorant.com. It's a great deal for a fresh start. Don't miss out on feeling confident everywhere you go. Visit lumideodorant.com and use code TLC for a special discount. That's L-U-M-E deodorant.com. Cheers to confidence with Lumi. I think both parties always have an equal share. If you're not gonna dance with that partner, there's a reason why you stay dancing. You're listening to the Laughing Couple Podcast with your host, Brittany and Ryan Ostafi. Join them weekly as they discuss topics such as relationships, kids, sex, parenting, all unfiltered and all with a healthy dose of laughter. Please welcome your hosts, Brittany and Ryan Ostafi. Uh, okay, today we have a very exciting conversation. You know what? We've had similar conversations, but every time we do a podcast about these types of things, we always get really good feedback because they're very relatable. So we have Jessica Baum here. How are you? Hi, I'm so happy to be here. I'm good. Thank you. I'm glad. You know what? I I just like remember something. I didn't even check with you how to pronounce your last name. Is that how you say it? Yeah, Jessica Baum. Yes. Oh, so you're wrong. I was wrong. But everyone does that. So I, I respond well, to both. For the rest of the podcast, you can call Brittany Nittany. <laughs> Hello, I'm sorry. Um, Jessica, can you, uh, before we get started into all of our fun little things, can you just give our listeners just like a, a little bit of education or rundown about who you are and what you do? Sure. I'm a psychotherapist who specializes in couples, trauma, addiction, codependency, love addiction, um, and attachment theory and how basically how to become more conscious in your partnerships and what is coming up in your relationship and helping people kind of get to the other side of some of the struggles we go through when we're in relationships. I love, love addiction. I don't think uh, we've ever spoken about that specifically. I mean, no. like definitely like subcategories, but love addiction, mm. does that really tie into like the attachment types, like the is that, is that what it is? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so yeah, love addiction and codependency are like buzzwords, but when you really mm. start to understand the underpinnings of attachment and developmental trauma or what you didn't get in developmental years, when you're re-experiencing a lot of attention and a lot of things in the early parts of relationship, your brain is actually getting bathed in a lot of these neurochemicals that you might not have gotten. And so those experiences can feel extra potent. So you get pulled mm. towards them more and more and unconsciously seek them out. So essentially, yeah, I mean, it all comes down to how you attach and your developmental process early on. We're going to talk about mm. the book. Um, uh -huh. 
We're going to talk about a book of the, for all, actually an extensive amount of time on this podcast. But before we do that, we've got this segment, as you're aware, mm-hmm. called I Love You and You're Annoying. Mm-hmm. Please and, give us the dirt. And as a professional <laughs> who understands relationships and getting people to the other side, you are in a relationship mm-hmm. and that relationship isn't always amazing. Mm-hmm. So what is it about your partner that annoys you beyond belief? Uh, so, so interesting. Cause what about him annoys me has more to do with me than him, but there are two <laughs> things. One is he's a particularly loud person. So like he walks like with heavy feet and he's like loud, like he's just a loud person and I'm an extremely sensitive person. So he's, his awareness around his own body movement. Sometimes I'm like, oh my God, this man is up yes. and down the stairs and all. So I can really feel his energy is intense and loud at times. So that's something that I would say gets under my skin because I don't know how to calm myself down when a lot of that is happening. And then he's not a great planner. I'm the planner. And so, you know, planning something in advance is is something that I struggle with with him. And then he would say mm-hmm. that I like plan way too much in advance that I plan my bathroom breaks. So, you know, I, I am annoyed with some of these things. So I wish you could get better at them. Yes. And, and it also shows where my work is too. Right. I, uh, I love the, uh, the loud person. My mom growing up was the loudest. Like you knew she was up. I could tell who was walking around downstairs just by her footsteps. Cause they were so determined. And like when my parents lived with us for that summer, when their house was being built, I was like, okay, my mom's up. Like it's her walk her is a, is a loud she's not a loud person she's and, not. and kim if you're listening to this podcast you're lovely we i love you and i'm not saying anything bad about deter- you <laughs> this is coming from your daughter but yes she is a very loud walker. she's a determined walker she has like purpose with her walk yeah. you know what i mean but it's just like aggressive it's totally and my husband's not a loud person at all like yeah. he's actually really reserved it's just right. in how he walks yeah i right. get it does this thing. I, and I'll say, I will say this. I never thought I would complain about someone walking so loud. And it wasn't even a complaint when your mom was living here. I was just like, wow. Has, you, has anyone ever told your mom that she walks really loudly? Yeah. That's fine. She's just, she's got, she's on a mission. Yeah. On okay. a mission. Let's get into, Focused. um, so we've, we've talked about anxious attachment before, and it's always intriguing to get different perspectives on it and just like go really in depth in it. Um, so can you give us like a general explanation about, or maybe an example, this was better, an example of somebody experiencing anxious attachment in a relationship? Like what, what would that look like? Yeah, sure. So someone who has more of an anxious, um, attachment system or patterns, I call them strategies is someone when they are feeling insecure and might have a rooted and you know, a felt sense of feeling like not wanting to be abandoned, Mm -hmm. they will track their partner. So they will become over-focused or hyper-focused on what their partner is doing, where they are in relation to them, how the commitment is, wanting a lot of closeness with their partner, wanting a lot of time spent together. Um, they'll, 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 their strategy is to try to get closer and possibly right. control, although I don't think they're always aware of it, but to control this so that they don't have to feel any of the abandonment that might be underneath the surface. So they'll they'll use strategies to kind of keep their partner very close to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay. I know a lot of people who struggle with codependency, 
that is a piece of it. The fear of mm-hmm. not having that person or what comes up when we're not close or losing that person is so big that they'll overcompromise, they'll self-sacrifice their needs. They'll do a lot to try to keep the relationship going. Mm-hmm. Now you've been doing this for 10 years. It was in Florida. It's in Florida, right? Yeah. I, yeah, so you've been doing I've the- actually been doing this longer than that. But yeah, my coaching company has, it's 15 years in private practice working with couples in these types of dynamics. Mm-hmm. So would you say, <clears throat> obviously you're writing a book about this and this is this is like your forte, but would you say that the average couple that comes in for therapy or coaching, this is the underlining reason for most of the issues? Yeah, I mean, I think that, the embedded patterns in which the couple has is around connection and safety in connection. So when you peel back, you didn't take me on date night or you didn't take the garbage out or I'm really upset or dysregulated. When you really start to look at what's really going on in every relationship, both parties are trying to get into connection. Either one person feels unsafe and they're moving away from connection or the other person feels unsafe and they want to try to get connection in a different. So we're doing these dances around intimacy see and we're doing these dances that can be painful because mm-hmm. you know a lot of what we experience embedded in our nervous system from early on gets replayed in our adult relationships so i think a lot of people like couples get cup, um, stuck in these pain cycles um mm-hmm. together and they're not quite they don't really know how to fix it and they want to come and fix it with me so i help them start to see what how they're dancing and be with each other differently and and trace back to what's coming up in the here and now that actually isn't even about the here and now that your system is scared or terrified about something that's you cueing you or triggered if you want to use that word but awakening in you something much deeper so yeah i think it is attachment theory and and how we seek safe secure attachment and what happens when we don't feel safe is 90 95% of the time what's happening in the office is that the connection became unsafe. Now, would you say that that's really heavily on one partner versus the other, or would this be kind of a joint effort that it's one person wanting more and one person wanting less for very similar, but completely different traumas? Does it have to be trauma or is it just like, cause I, th- you say it's a buzzword, but I don't think it was really a, bu- it hasn't been a buzzword for a long time. We're really just starting to hear about this now on our end. Talking about uh, maybe in your space. Developmental patterns and strategies that we form based on our, our environment when we're growing up tend to be the strategies we use in our adult relationships. I mean, it's just like 90, 89% research base that like this attachment system that we formed early on are the same strategies we use later. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I am a big believer, humbly, that every relationship is 50-50. And if you're dancing with someone, you're both dancing. And often couples come in and they want to point the finger at the other person. And there's a form of projection in that. But also, you're really, you really do think your partner's behaviors are causing you all the pain. And some of the behaviors are painful, Hey, Ryan. Yes? You stink. Um, okay. I stink too, don't worry. Everyone actually stinks, and it's normal to have body odor, just in case you needed a reminder. Okay, thank you for that. But the best part is, you don't have to stink. (laughs) Just try Lumi whole body deodorant. You're right. And Lumi's powered by mandelic acid, tackling odor for 72 hours from pits, 
to feet, even private areas. It's incredible. Over 300,000 five-star reviews, and you can literally use it everywhere. And the scents like clean tangerine, lavender sage, or my personal favorite, toasted coconut, make it refreshing. Plus, new customers get 15% off all Lumi products with code TLC at lumideodorant.com. And if you combine the 15% off with the already discounted starter pack, that's over 40% off. Stay confident from head to toe with Lumi. Try it with code TLC at lumideodorant.com. That's code TLC at L-U-M-E-D-O-D-O-R-A-N-T.com. Stay fresh, everyone. Guys, have you tried the new wellness shots from Good Vibes Juice? We have, and they're amazing. Perfect for boosting immunity and feeling great. Good Vibes Juice makes all-natural wellness shots with ingredients that support your immune system. And they honestly taste good. Plus, they're great to have before you feel sick or even to help you recover faster. It's like having Granny's homemade remedy, but conveniently pre-made. They have three different shots to choose from, Sick Day, Get Well, and Turmeric Daily. The Sick Day shot has echinacea and ginger, known for fighting off colds and boosting immunity. The Get Well shots feature elderberry, a superfood ingredient that helps increase immunity, and the Turmeric Daily has turmeric and chamomile. My personal favorite is the Turmeric Daily. It has turmeric and chamomile, which for me, having recently turned 40, is great for anti-inflammatory and calming properties. What's great is that these shots are all natural with no preservatives or additives. You can take them as a shot or mix them with hot water for a soothing tea. And here's the best part. Visit goodvibeswithansjuice.com and use promo code TLC to get free shipping and 20% off your first order. That's www.goodvibesjuice.com with promo code TLC. Let's boost our immunity and feel great with Good Vibes Juice. Shout out to Claritin for providing samples and sponsoring this episode. Full disclosure, I was listening to you talk the other day and I was thinking to myself, why does he sound that way? And then I remembered that it's allergy season and that's just your voice because you're so stuffed up. Ah, yes, the old allergy congested accent. Luckily for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Claritin D's fast symptom relief starts working on allergies with nasal congestion in as little as 30 minutes. Oh, perfect. So I won't have to listen to you speak like this for the next few weeks. What? You're not into it? It's not uh, not endearing? No comment. Designed for serious allergy sufferers like Ryan. Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieves your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. Claritin D tackles nasal congestion caused by allergies or a cold and also relieves sinus congestion and pressure due to allergies. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. So convenient. Just ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. And remember, only use as directed. But if the feelings are sensational and they live big in your body, there's a chance that these painful behaviors are touching something deeper within you as well. So it's not, it's not, it's like, you know, 20% of the here and now 80% is probably old because we're looking at the nervous system and your responses. And so I think both parties always have an equal share. Because if you're in a relationship with someone that you just think is really unhealthy, if you're really doing the work, you might just walk away from that relationship. If you're not gonna dance with that partner, there's a reason why you stay dancing and you wanna resolve something with that partnership. And that's, that's actually healthy too. I just think my work is to help people see 
the unconscious or what they're not resolving or what they keep hitting their head around. And sometimes it is about the relationship's not a safe haven to grow, but often it's just because we're not as aware of what's really going on in, in the dynamic. I was watching, um, I think it was one of your reels or it was a video and you talk about, um, people in like a relationship, often people who are, who experience anxious attachment, um, when they grow up in, in a home that maybe is very chaotic, right? They, they've just used to chaos and chaos is their norm. Mm -hmm. And then they grow up and when it's not chaotic and they meet somebody who has stability and they feel safe, something is uncomfortable. Is that like wired in their brain? Because they're like, well, well, this isn't what I'm used to. It might be the, like, it might be better and clearly healthier for them, but it's like immediately you're going back to, this isn't what I know. So like, do you see that a lot? Well, it's such a good question that you're asking. And I think a lot of anxious people are attracted to avoidant people Mm -hmm. and avoidant people with more avoidant tendencies actually look very stoic on the outside. They are calm on the outside, but they're, they're not um, able to be intimate in the same way. So the anxious person sees this very like independent, stoic person, and they're kind of attracted to that lost quality within themselves. But the truth is behind the avoidant person is a lot of anxiety too. You're Mm -hmm. just not seeing that when they are, um, when they go on a date with someone who is more secure, it's, it's not that they're calm. It's that their ability for deeper intimacy is there. And Mm -hmm. that might really scare an anxious person, believe it or not. So I think a lot of anxious people can get attracted to avoidant people because they perceive them as stoic and calm. And later Mm -hmm. we find out that neither is really calm inside. There's a lot of insecurities going. And unfortunately, the way in which both deal with their pain is the opposite way of how they both need to receive the reassurance or the safety on the other side. So, yeah, I think, you know, anxious people might not feel comfortable with someone because that person might actually be more emotionally available. So it's another Mm -hmm. way of facing yourself unconsciously. You might not even be aware of that. I find it funny and I'm going to use the word funny because I don't have another word for it because it's not funny. Ha ha. It's more of like an interesting thing. Yes. It just, I find it interesting. We are attracted. We constantly are attracted to something, right? And a lot of the stuff that we're attracted to as, as you've just laid out, stem from our childhood and our idea of what X is. If I'm, if I've got a childhood that had this and you've got a childhood that has that, and we find ourselves in this like space where we feel like, Hey, I'm connected to this person and I'm connected to this person. Is that like just two people dealing with things that seem to think that the other person is going to fix it? Or is it actually chemistry? Like is, does chemistry even exist in relationships? Cause I'm attracted to you and I think you're attracted to me and it worked out, but are we just <laughs> two people that are dealing with each other's messes? Yeah. I mean, no, I think there's chemistry does exist in a relationship. You know, we would say that the type of chemistry that actually isn't really chemistry to your attachment wound being activated is when you're dating someone and you're like, Oh, they didn't call me back for three days and now I'm more excited. Or they ghosted me. And, and it's like, why are you more excited when this person is unavailable? Like, let's get curious around that. Like, why is the pursuit of someone who's unavailable actually exciting you? Because it's just going to reinforce your trauma around not having someone show up for you. But as far as healthy chemistry, I actually think 
we can be attracted to people who have traits that are lost traits of ourselves. We can be attracted to people for a lot of different reasons. And if both people have a secure enough sense and a developed sense of self, you're going to butt heads and actually butting heads and working through conflict, we call it rupture and repair, is what continues to build intimacy and chemistry. Because this person's not, this person's a whole person different from you, who's always challenging mm-hmm. you, but also supporting you, who's out there in the world growing and bringing that some energy back and always changing rather than this stagnant fear-based, I might get abandoned or this bad boy, it's not really the bad boy, it's the unavailable um, person is keeping me exciting. That type of chemistry is just a setup versus like mm-hmm. sustainable what we call interdependent relationships where the chemistry is wow because my that person feels so secure and they're doing them and they're bringing that in that to the relational energy and that's sexy because they Mm. are themselves and they're allowed to be themselves in this relationship because it's not threatening to either Mm -hmm. people can we quickly um i was going to share a story is it important well, I'm just kidding. Go, go, go. I will say this because I, I would say that uh, I grew up in a wonderful household with two wonderful parents who cared deeply about me and my sisters. Um, there was no trauma of any sort whatsoever. And before I met Brittany, I dated this girl. And I remember coming home, sitting at the dinner table with this woman at my house, eating mm-hmm. with my parents. And when, they, when she left, my parents said, who are you? I said, what do you mean? They're like, whoever was just sitting at this dinner table is not you. And I knew immediately that this girl was not for me as soon as my parents said that. And the second Brittany came into the house and I could literally be like the wacky, weird version that I am. (laughs) And my parents, I remember my parents, she left the house too. They always leave the house. But keep in mind, I was living at home until I was 28. (laughs) But uh but uh, they came back and they said, that's you. Like, that's you. And so I knew immediately that when I was with Brittany, I didn't have to be any other version but me. And so it was a trigger for me unknowingly. Now you say this, it was an, an unknown trigger for me to say, this isn't the right person for me. Yeah. No, versus I mean, this that's, is. That's actually a really great example. So as we move closer and closer into intimacy, we are letting the other person see more and more of ourselves. The good parts, the bad parts, the wacky parts. If there's a level of safety, right? And all of this happens mm-hmm. like through a process. It's not something you do on the first date. Like you're not expected right. to feel safe. But if there's a level of safety, you show more and more of yourself and you're accepted for who you are. So subconsciously or something was going on with you where when you were around this other person, part of you was fearful that if you showed more of yourself, you would be rejected because there wasn't enough safety in that relationship for you to be your whole self. Now, that could have been the relationship's work to get under, but finding someone that you can slowly, slowly be all of yourself with is how we get closer to the to like being accepted for our whole selves. And so mm-hmm. the fact that you felt very comfortable with Brittany it just shows that like there was a part of your psyche that felt safe. You felt much and safer. I'm amazing. <laughs> and you're amazing. Yeah. Can we uh, circle Whatever. circle back um, briefly to uh, you talk about avoidance tendencies? I think you said something about the avoidant dance, and I was very intrigued by this because Ryan and I are both we terrible deal- dancers. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Uh, we we are we don't argue a lot, but when we have discussions that are maybe heated, um, we. We, we have different tendencies in like how we 
um, resolve things. Like I, I would say I shut, I shut down, I'm air quoting. I shut down more than Ryan and it's not. And I think you, you're talking about, you say it's like a turtle, right? I go into my shell and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, I don't want to deal with this right now. Where, um, Ryan is like, like dead on, let's solve the issue right now, which actually retreats. Like it makes me want to go even further into uh-huh. my shell because uh-huh. he's so like outwardly, like let's solve uh-huh. this. Uh-huh. Um, is there like any practical advice that you could give a couple who deals with these arguments in those different ways? And those like, I'm an avoidant, I'm an avoider and Ryan, not an avoider. I just need some space before I like tackle everything. Oh, and Ryan an is like, I am a Fox. We are getting right. And you know what I mean? I'm like, can we chill? Like, yeah. let's just chill for a second. No, I mean, this is at the heart of this week. This is the heart of my book. And yeah, this is the heart of most dynamics and i refer to one person's nervous system a little bit more like a turtle and the other one a little bit more like an octopus and that their energy expands so you know (laughs) one if you think of energy one person is contracting and the other person is expanding and both those states are a state of fear i must Mm -hmm. contract and regulate my system and you know go into my hole or I must expand and get contact and solve this right away in order to make my system, you know, feel Mm -hmm. calm. And the truth is both of you guys need the exact opposite thing at the same time. So this is where Mm -hmm. we get in that anxious avoidant dance. And I do write a, there's a whole chapter and chapter eight in my book talks about like different strategies you can do. But one thing you can do for him is let him know this is really important to me and you are really important to me. I need to put, you're more of a post-processor. I need a little bit of time after dinner. Can we come back to the table and talk about this? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, what you can do, Ryan, is you can say, okay, she loves me and she cares about me and she needs a little bit more time here. How can I cool down my system a little so that when we come back to the table, it's back to team, <laughs> I call it team us. So one person is more into fight mode and it's just, it's an Mm -hmm. expansion of energy. I want to connect. I want to figure this out right now. This is giving me anxiety. Let's resolve it. And the other person is in a contraction of energy and says, I'm scared. I can't connect with that right now. I need to process. I need a little bit more time. And the goal is really when you can start to communicate around my nervous system is doing this, your nervous system is doing that. We can try to remember we love each other and get back to a more solid place. And then there's kind of some exercises around like really hearing each other and going back to the conflict in a new way, but Mm -hmm. not personalizing his expansion or your contraction, starting to understand this is how you respond to pain or fear. And this is how you respond to pain or fear. And, you know, to feel safer, we want to get back into connection, but neither one of those responses is really about connection. Both of those responses are are about fear. So when you can start to see it that way, you can start to have some compassion on both sides of the street for the type of responses that you're both having. Yeah. You're, you're you're putting words around my feelings and that usually triggers me, which is good because I I like the conflict that comes with the inner thoughts that are occurring. And my first reaction was to respond with a, yeah, but and that's when I realized, oh, wait a second, I'm dealing with my own stuff right at this moment. So she's triggering something. So here, here's my scenario when, when it comes to this situation is I trust my relationship with Brittany. I trust our communication with Brittany. What I don't trust is my communication with myself when I'm by myself. And so when we're dealing with a conflict or an issue and she wants to walk away for space, 
I don't trust the conversation that happens in between when we left the conversation and when I come back to it, mm. because when I come back to it, I'm probably going to be more upset. Yes. Mm. Yes. And I, I mean, and so I talk a lot about that and hi, I am you in the relationship. So I can totally identify with pouring gasoline on the fire. That's what I call it. You're literally pouring gasoline on the fire. And the truth is you're in pain. So mm -hmm. the dialogue or the narrative around the pain or the frustration in that moment just can go on and on. And then we can double down on it every time we felt this way and we were stacking and stacking and stacking it. What you really need to understand is that your nervous system is activated. You're in sympathetic, mm -hmm. you're in fight mode. And so a way in which you're trying to protect yourself is to case build and to build upon this pain around all, all of the times you felt this way. And that there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You're trying, this is an adaptive way of being, but your body and your brain are very important things, <laughs> but your body is in a state and your brain is trying to make sense of that state. Mm -hmm. And if you can drop the story and focus on your respiratory system, which is literally the only system you have real control over because your fight flight, your blood is pumping. There's so many things happening in, in mm -hmm. a sympathetic arousal. But if you can extend your exhales and breathe and drop the story. And sometimes what I do with myself is I go inhale, exhale, inhale. Your body will start to send the message up to your brain that you're actually not fighting World War III here. You're not. Mm -hmm. So, and another thing that I tell myself is like, my partner really loves me. They're in a pain response. They really love me and I'm in my pain response. And if I pour more gasoline on the narrative, I'm going to make it worse. But if I can realize that my brain is trying to make sense of what my body is experiencing right now, and it's doing a really bad job because my body is experiencing like anger and pain. That's like archaic. And it's mm -hmm. trying to like, uh, like put all these like here and now case building things on top of each other. And just try to like work on ways in which you can dysregulate, like downregulate your nervous system back to cool. And sometimes it's calling a supportive friend that, that reminds you how loving your relationship is that validates how, you know, how frustrating this might be in the moment and brings you back into like a place of more calm. Then, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. then you'll be able to come in and then she's going to come out of her turtle shell a lot easier. And then what she can do is validate the pain. Not the mm -hmm. anger, the pain or the terror, because a lot of what happens is when the octopus is like lashing out, it's terror. If I don't get back into connection or she doesn't really understand what's going on inside of me. I might not get what I need or I might be under misunderstood or there's terror in that response. Um, and it's it's very, very primal and seeing it through that lens and also working with your body and getting out of the story. Getting out mm. of the story as much as you can, whatever mantra you need to use, whatever the breathing exercises, it'll be very empowering for you. Mm -hmm. You'll be like, oh, I'm pouring gasoline on it today. And then three mm. days from now, you'd be like, wow, I had my first experience. I'm not pouring gasoline on it more. I have options. I have so many more mm. options. And that's where you're going to be building your capacity to self-soothe. And if you can't self-soothe on your own, that's where co-regulation with a trusted person can help you in some of those moments. I think it's important because <clears throat> I know we all, and I know I'm going to say something that's terrible. I know, but you'll agree with me. Maybe you won't. I feel like men don't speak to their friends about problems as much as women speak to their friends about problems okay. inherently. 
Um, and I find that you have to, and we did a podcast like two years ago about this. You have to be very selective with who you share issues with your Mm -hmm. partner with, because you get to, you get to see the whole thing all the way through, but your friend only gets the bad stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and the more and more you complain to these friends, the more and more they have this, this diminished listening of your partner. And then the next time you come up with them, they're bringing the past yeah. into the future. Because they didn't get closure. And they're trying to be, they're trying to be friends, like, but they're, they're not giving you sound advice. Mm-hmm. That is the perfect like, follow-up question. And I probably should have referenced this with, when you're calling a safe person to help you regulate, it's not about what your partner did to you. Right. It's about what's coming up inside of you. And it's about... Can I find people, and this is where therapists come in, but yes, you're right. Even, I mean, even men or women, women or men or people in the world, they want to fix you. They want to fix the solution. There's nothing here to fix. There's just people who can help you be with the intensity, with the Mm -hmm. intention that they're on the team couple and with the intention of helping to downregulate you, to hold Mm -hmm. the intensity with you. And that this isn't about bitching or complaining or venting because we're not projecting that's more fire that's more gasoline this is more like oh wow it sounds like you're really frustrated right now or it sounds like you're in a lot of conflict right now or this must be really scary for you which is probably something that a a man wouldn't take to but (laughs) can i be with you and can can we remember all the good things about our relationship that we're not accessing right now because we're not accessing that in an activated state and what is your your relationship mantra and okay what are you not feeling heard about Rather than like, yeah, she's doing this, she's doing that, blah, blah, blah. It's got to shift it to on you. And I think so many people want to hear, they hear, oh, this person's complaining about their relationship again. And you're right. It creates like these toxic like cycles. And I think if you're hearing this and you complain about your relationship, shift it to what is my relationship bringing up inside of me for me to look up, look, look at for me, like instead of blaming them for bringing this up let me imagine that it's already existing in me and it's painful or it's frustrating and it exists in me and what are they teaching me more about me and have i felt this way before like when she does something that really upsets you it's bringing something intense up for you i imagine it's not the first time you felt it i imagine you felt this way before you met her that these sensations lived with you earlier on. And when we can connect to the earlier on, we're not personalizing it as much as it only has to do with our partner. That's where like 20% has to do with her 80%. If the sensations are big, it's probably when you were a little boy, someone didn't listen to you or someone in your home maybe was a little bit more avoidant or sucked back when you needed connection. And so your system's remembering that and it's scared in some way. And I won't use scared. It's frightened or, but I say this, but like, this is all happening on an unconscious level, like automatic nervous system level. You're not consciously choosing to respond this way. Your body is detecting danger Mm -hmm. and it's programming from so early on. And you're not alone. I am there with you and a million other people. Like, I think we all (laughs) react in these behaviors or we have these things going on in our body, which is precisely why I wrote the book. Cause you're not crazy. Your, your system was programmed to respond mm-hmm. in certain ways when you don't feel connection, when the connection mm-hmm. gets broken. And there's no shame in that. It's about compassion around like, this is actually what my body wants to do to get back into connection or to keep myself safe from 
too much intensity, right? Like if, if Brittany grew up in a home where one of her fa family members was screaming at her or really intense and she had to go away, that's also an automatic response inside of her system that like she can't help, you know? So getting curious around like what becomes scary for her isn't you, it's just her mm -hmm. system remembering this intensity and now it's going away and she's protecting herself in some way too. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It's like a generational autopilot. Like it's just kind of like immediately, oh, this is, this is what I'm used to. Before we wrap this up, can you, I really, really just want you to briefly touch on your, um, I think you've trademarked this too, the self-full versus selfless and distinguishing like do you know what I mean? Like, the, yeah. I love that you use the term self, selfful instead of selfless. Like, that's mm -hmm. so important. Yeah. I mean, so I worked a lot with addiction and also codependency, the other side of the coin traditionally in the addiction centers. But I worked a lot with women, but a lot of people who would come in and I would be like, listen, you got to learn how to be like a little more selfish. And they'd mm -hmm. look at me like I had like 20 heads, you know, like selfish is not seen as a good thing. Mm -hmm. So I coined the word selfful. And the truth is people, in order to stay in connection, kind of like what you said about the girl you dated prior to this relationship, we sacrifice parts of ourselves unconsciously and consciously. Um, and we become what I call selfless, like we'll abandon ourselves to stay mm -hmm. safe in connection because connection is our biological imperative and it's so important. So we consciously, unconsciously become kind of like selfless as a way to adapt. And it usually happened like when we were much earlier on in our childhood home, we learned these strategies of like, if I don't show this part of myself, I'll be accepted. Or if I don't feel into this, this emotion that wasn't accepted in my home, then I can get rid of it. And we become selfless in some ways. And so selfless people tend to find selfish people. And it's, 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 it's the same kind of analogy as the anxious avoided dance. It's like, why do I always attract a selfish narcissist? Or why am I always attracting mm -hmm. a self-centered person? It's like, you're both on the same, you're on the opposite ends of the same pendulum and they're both strategies to survive. Now, when you're self-full, you're in touch with your own needs. You've accepted more parts of yourself. You are fully, more fully embodied. And you're gonna be less scared to set boundaries or understand what's going on inside of your like you being self being in a selfful state and there's states because we've all had periods we all have states times when we're more selfish or selfless right out of fear but the work of the book and the work around this world word is to create more of a selfful state um more often where you're accessing the ability or an understanding i can meet the needs of others but not at the expense of myself. And I know how to have an interdependent relationship where I can weave in. I don't have to lose myself completely. And I can also request my needs if you're on the selfish, selfless side. And the selfish people can say, I can give more of myself and not feel like I'm going to be completely engulfed or completely taken advantage of. So both ends of the spectrum are just these survival states. So I use the mm -hmm. word self-full and it's really a state of of connection and ease and learning how to get your needs met in a healthy way in your relationships. Can you, um, for our listeners, can you just let everybody know what the title of your book is called? Um, and then when it's available, where can they purchase and then tag any of your social handles so people yeah, can Yeah, uh, sure. So the title of my book is called Anxiously Attached, Becoming More Secure in Life and Love. And I do, I cover anxious and avoidant 
a lot. And I really have compassion on both sides because I think it's important to understand all of it. And you can find me on, on Instagram, Jessica Baum, LMHC. Um, and you can, I think we sent you a link for pre, mm-hmm. pre-order we'll incentives. So if you fill out the form, you get, um, you get a meditation and you get a free dating course. And there, I think there's a checklist for anxious people in there. Um, so you get some freebies for, you know, ordering it. And it's, it's a few weeks. It's like three weeks out before print date. So yeah, I hope that, you know, I hope a lot of people are hearing this. I, I think the book offers a path to healing, not just the information. I really kind of explain what it takes to heal some of these deeper patterns. Mm-hmm. And I really try to be compassionate from all developmental mm-hmm. lenses. So people can really understand like, what does it mean to be a narcissist? What does it mean to be avoidant? What does it mean mm-hmm. to be anxious? And and where can we all meet and heal in, in this process so that I can have yeah. more sustainable, you can have more sustainable relationships. Awesome. Perfect. Incredible. Thank you so much. Yeah. I hope I didn't on go us. on too long. No, no. No, Jessica, lovely. this is perfect. Okay. It was well, fantastic. Well. I'm sure we could talk about this subject for hours oh, yeah. upon hours. Yeah. Well, you wrote an entire book about it. I'm so sorry if I we put could. you on, in the spot too with all your sharing. No. That's no, that's, that's kind we of do. what we, we do. We, we always get therapy on yes, these on these podcasts because we're working on our, yeah. ourselves. So yeah. we get an expert like yourself it's a good opportunity for us to discover what there is for us to discover mm-hmm. inside the communication as well. So yeah, we appreciate, appreciate you. We weren't put on the spot. We feel great about it. And Hey, listen, there's a lot of things people know about us. Yeah. <laughs> Where do you guys live? We're in Canada. So um, uh, Ontario, like Toronto. Yeah. If you ever, mm-hmm. ever do want to do therapy, I would highly, highly suggest given what I know, Amago therapy, which is what I'm trained in. If you ever go to therapy, do not go to a regular therapist, go to someone who's highly specialized in couples work and you will get so much out of this, but both of you, but you'll get so much out of a really trained couples counselor that will help you understand the turtle and the lion. And I think every single relationship has a dance. I mean, I'm, my husband is like the biggest turtle ever. So I'm yeah. always doing my work around that. I love it. Perfect. Yeah. Well, thank you again for your time, your energy, and, um, you know, get the book, guys. We'll get, link it. Grab yeah. the book. We'll link them in. We'll look, link them in the podcast. Grab the book. And uh, again, yes. thank you so much. everyone. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists, owners of The Therapy Group, and hosts of The Shrink Chicks Podcast. Every week, we bring you a new episode where we dive into therapeutic topics like inner child work, dating anxiety, family dynamics, relationships, and burnout. Making them more relatable and understandable, leaving the psycho babble behind. We address the things you've been dying to ask your therapist but don't know how and work to help you stop shooting all over yourself with the expectations society can put on us. Tune in every Monday to Shrink Chicks on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Be sure to follow along and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Prepare to learn all about you because in order to grow yourself, you got to know yourself. Hey.